You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. But listen, here's the bottom line. Fathers, mothers, if you are a lot, your escapades are going to hurt your family. You're going to hurt each other. You're going to hurt your children. Young people, you're experimenting with drugs, alcohol, sexual promiscuity. It'll hurt everyone you have contact with. You'll hurt your parents who love you and want better things for you. If you read the stories in Genesis, Lot and Abraham were both extremely wealthy. The reason they split up was because the land couldn't support feeding both of their flocks together. But why does the Bible speak so differently of the two men? Well, Pastor Mike will answer that question in today's teaching. They were both met by angelic beings who had messages for them. The contrasting ways Abraham and Lot reacted to those messages made huge differences in the way their lives turned out. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 19 as he continues his message, Pattern for a Defeated Life. time we're ever going to become the super Christian is when we stand before Jesus. When we see him, the Bible tells us when we see him as he is, then we shall become like him. But that's not going to happen until the rapture or if we go home to be with the Lord by some natural cause or sickness or whatever. But anyway, and then you have Lot who wanted his own way and he becomes a dwarf. So you have a giant versus the dwarf. For Lot, it's lights out. It's sort of like the sun is rising on Abraham's life and is setting on Lot's life. For Lot, (laughs) it's lights out. It seems as if the Spirit has put each one of these individuals alongside one another for our careful examination. Because there are so many issues to consider So many lessons for us to learn, exampled, served up. Abraham is seen, notice the first time there in in chapter 18 and verse 1, near the trees of Mamre, chapter 18 and verse 1, which, by the way, is very suggestive because that word Mamre can literally be translated from the Hebrew language fatness or well-fed. You see, that's what his life was becoming. It's fatness. That's what our lives are becoming. That is, as we stay close to the Lord. 
and continue to exercise our faith in him, our belief in him, our trust in him, our obedience, all of the things that lent itself to God's estimation of him being his friend. His life was getting fat. Think about it. Jesus himself said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Not just a trickling. And listen, I'm not preaching prosperity here. Don't misunderstand. But our lives will be full. Our lives will be rich. That was one of the other reasons why Jesus came, not only to save us from our sins, but that our lives might be full, that our lives might be rich, that our lives might be blessed. That's God's intention for us. You're his kid. Think about your own children. And if you could possibly provide for them in their need, make their lives a little bit better than your life's experience, wouldn't you do that? Of course you would. Well, that's exactly what God wants for you. He wants to enrich your life. So Abraham is depicted here in chapter 18 and verse 1, near the trees of Mamre, which again is very suggestive. That word Mamre can be translated fatness or well-fed. And truly, man, isn't that what God has done for us? We're fat, man. We're like Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars. <laughs> well-fed. The Lord provides for his people. So Abraham is continuing to grow in blessing as the result of his communion and his fellowship with God. But then on the other hand, you have Lot, who's in Sodom, in the midst of carnal surroundings. His soul is vexed. He's forced to leave his home. As far as he's concerned, his world is crumbling from beneath him. Let's go back to Abraham. Again, this picture in contrast. In chapter 18 and verse 23, when God is confiding with him, letting him know what he is about to do, and this was one of the points that we brought to your attention, when we're friends with God, God communicates with us. Even as, like, think about your best friend. How much time do you spend communicating with one another? Sharing the intimate things that are going on in your lives, looking for direction or counsel. Hey, Pastor Jose, what do you think about this? I'm kind of like at a crossroads, and I could use some direction here, some advice. How much time do you spend speaking to, communicating with the person that's closest to you? Well, that's the same way with our relationship with God. And so God thought it right before his judging those five cities there in that plain, which includes Sodom and Gomorrah, that he would confide in his friend Abraham, particularly because his nephew Lot lived in that city, you see. And that was also probably one of the reasons why he confided in uh, Abraham. So Abraham then takes it upon himself in chapter 18 and verse 23, interceding, for that city. He's pleading to God for Sodom. And you know, you're familiar with the text, right? I've kind of skipped over some of this stuff. But if there's 50 righteous, will the city be spared? Yes, 50. There wasn't 50. If there's 30 righteous, there wasn't 30. If there was, uh, what do you get down there? Like 10 righteous. And then there was only righteous lot. And I don't really know if he was all that righteous or not. But he did have some kind of a belief in God. And on that basis, God sent his angels to deliver a lot. 
But the premise of that discussion, and I want you to think about this because this is really important, and I want you to think about it particularly in relationship to the idea that the church is going to be here during the seven years of tribulation. You see, there is a difference between the tribulation that's brought upon the world because of sin and the devil and the tribulation that is going to be brought upon the earth because of a Christ-rejecting world that's initiated by God. There's a huge difference between the two. And so in this discussion, the premise of this discussion between Abraham and God, for the sake of the city of Sodom, Abraham brings this to the forefront. He says, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And the answer to that question is absolutely not. He couldn't do that. Before the judgment could fall, he had to deliver the righteous. And even so, that's exactly the way that it's going to be during the seven years of tribulation. I thought I'd just throw that in there. I don't even have that in my notes. I won't even charge you extra for that, all right? And Lot said, look, now I'm, I'm comparing, remember this is a picture in contrast. That was Abraham's prayer. But then notice Lot also prayed, and he said, look, here is a town near enough to run to. It's a small town. Let me flee to it in verse 20. Okay, so put both of those prayers alongside of one another. Both are examples of prayer, but only one is intercessory. Lot's prayer was simply a tool to bargain to get what he wanted from God. You know, how many prayers are offered in that same vein? Think about it. We're trying to manipulate God in our prayers. Now, Lord, listen, if you know, this whole thing falls into place, if you do this for me, it'll provide more money for me, and I'll be able to tithe even greater amounts. Or this new job will free me up, and I'll have more time to minister to my family, and I'll become an usher at the church. I'll teach the men's Bible study. I'll, I'll, I'll work within the kids' ministry. I'll do this, and we're just really, and that's really not the reasons why we're even praying. It's all about us and what we can get out of and from the prayers that we are praying. See, it was just for Lot a tool to bargain to get what he wanted from God. You see, gang, this is a pattern for a defeated life. And once again, this is the problem with these so-called little sins. When it comes right down to it, that's what he was asking of God. Just a little sin. Let me flee to Zoar. And I'll just, you know, dwell there and I'll just continue in the same lifestyle that I lived when I lived in Sodom. But this is the problem with these so-called little sins. They lead to bigger ones. It's addicting. It's like drugs that have to be taken in greater doses to have an effect. So small sins lead to larger until you're trapped and finally destroyed. Now, to see this in Lot's life, all you have to do is read ahead to the end of chapter 19 in the book of Genesis, where we have there the record and the incident of incest between Lot and his daughters, which is described in brief but grim details. Could you imagine having a sexual relationship with your children? How crazy is that? i got to tell you something. I read on here. I read everything else that's recorded about Lot and his life and everything that he was involved in. And I begin to wonder, did Lot ever get back into a proper relationship with God? 
Did he actually ever get to the point of repenting of his sins? Well, the answer to that question is we really don't know because the scriptures are silent and do not address itself to that subject or to answer that question. All I know is the last word on Lot is recorded for us in verse 36 of chapter 19. And it says, so both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. Listen, this alone should be enough to turn us from sin, no matter how little that sin may be, and cause us to determine to serve God fully. Now, of course, we can't leave this chapter without talking about Lot's wife, right? No way. So let's go back to verse 26. And we are told, but his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Now, this is misleading. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. It wasn't like the angels are leading her, running out of the city, and she's running, but she's looking back at the same time. That, that's not what it was. She stopped dead in her tracks, and she started to move backwards. She started to go back to the city of Sodom. And I think that this is very important to take note of. Now, exactly what happened here? We're not quite sure. We have this brief description in verse 24. It says, The Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. But how did this whole thing play out? Well, we really don't know. But, you know, maybe it was exactly that. Maybe God just rained down fire and brimstone and it actually did come down from heaven. But you know what? Let me offer you a plausible explanation of what may have happened and how, in fact, Lot's wife got turned into a pillar of salt. You see, it has been suggested that this destruction of the cities, all the cities there in that plain, could have been through some kind of a volcanic action, which is very possible, very plausible, because even today there is evidence of volcanic eruptions in that area along the Dead Sea. There are also tremendous salt deposits in that area, as you know if you've ever been to uh, Israel. On the western side, for example, of the Dead Sea, there is a mountain of salt that is 700 feet high and five miles long. It's a mountain of salt that cannot be explained through slow sedimentation, but rather is explained because of an eruption of some kind, a great overthrowing. So it is possible. It is plausible. You know, I think about Kilauea right now on the Big Island of Hawaii. You've seen it on the news. I used to live on the Big Island before I... I even was a Christian. In fact, it was there, funny enough, it was uh, while I was there partying, one of my friends from back in New York came out to Santa Monica where I was living out in California in Southern Cal. She said, I'm going to visit some of my college buddies from the University of Wisconsin who moved to Hilo in Hawaii. Why don't you come along with me? And I said, okay. I had nothing going. I was just like footloose and fancy free. So we got on a plane and we went to Hawaii. When I finally got to Hawaii, where Kilauea was, it was active even during that time that I was there. So I had seen the volcanic 
eruptions and activity, and I know something about that. And so when I see it on the news, been there, done that. But while I was there in Hilo, I actually ran into Pastor Chuck Smith. You've, you've heard my testimony before, who was traveling with one of the old Christian contemporary bands with a group of people. They were traveling to Hawaii. And uh, anyway, so I, it was there where I, refer, where I was actually first introduced uh, to Christianity. But anyway, you've seen the eruptions of the Kilauea volcano, haven't you? And now it's actually forming a new island. Did you know that? And just recently, one of the boats, one of the tourist boats, was out on the ocean. And from a distance, they were checking out the volcano and the lava flowing into the ocean. It's really amazing, especially at night, because the whole mountainside lights up. You can actually see the lava flowing into the ocean. And when it hits the ocean, the steam rises up out of it. It's like really crazy. It's quite a, quite a sight. But while they were on that boat, these people who were tourists on the boat, it keeps erupting. And some of the boulders that came out of the volcanic eruptions actually hit the boat and damaged the boats. Did you see that? So think of that in relationship to possibly what may have happened here. Well, we're not quite sure. But think about this. And I'll go on in just a moment and try to address that subject of how she may have turned into a pillar of salt in just a moment. But you know, Lot may have been arguing in his own mind that at this stage of his life, his compromise, his little sins, hurt no one but himself. Oh, be very careful, particularly those of you who are parents, who are husbands, who are wives. But this would be true of each and every one of us. Because you know, the sins that we choose to commit affects everyone around us. Unfortunately, it just doesn't affect you. But everyone around you, it's the far-reaching effect that sin has in the things that we choose to do. So be very careful about this. So he may have thought his compromise, his little sins, hurt no one but himself. But guess what? He would be wrong. I mean, his daughters were hurt, the proof is found in their decadent morality. Later on here, as you read the remainder of the chapter, on two different occasions, they got their father drunk, and then they had sexual relationships with him, whereby they became impregnated. So talk about decadent morality. And then you have Lot's wife, who just couldn't tear herself away from that city. She lingered, she went back, and was overtaken in the destruction. Now, in turning back, again, here's a plausible explanation. In turning back, she was caught in the great conflagration and the bubbling, boiling, spewing salts then covered her and she was turned into a pillar of salt. And it's an explanation. Take it or leave it. But listen, here's the bottom line. Fathers, mothers, if you are a lot, your escapades are going to hurt your family. You're going to hurt each other. You're going to hurt your children. Young people, you're experimenting with drugs, alcohol, sexual promiscuity. It'll hurt everyone you have contact with. You'll hurt your parents who love you and want better things for you. 
You'll hurt your peers. You'll be a part of the pattern that destroys them and their potential. Because sin always has its consequences, both for the individual who sins and for those around them. And so what do we need to do? Abandon them, however small they may seem. It's not small in God's sight, and its effects are too great. Now, one last thing before we go ahead and close out our study. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 17, in verses 26 through 32, on the occasion of our Lord speaking about his return and the judgment connected to it, he compared that time to the days of Noah and to the days of Lot. Let me read it for you. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. That is when Christ comes back. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Man, does that sound like our current scenario today? Eating, drinking, partying, building, not taking God into consideration. I mean, man, eating and drinking has been taken to a new art. You know, think of all of the new food channels there are on cable. I'm just amazed with the programming that they come up with. I mean, it's like crazy. They've taken it to a new heights. They've elevated it to a completely another degree. Well, anyway, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. And then finally, he says, remember Lot's wife. Listen, good advice. So, if you are out of Christ, the truth be told, if you're not in Christ, the truth of the matter is, guess what? You're living in Sodom. Maybe you've spent your entire life in Sodom. Maybe you've never been given an opportunity to make a decision for Christ. Maybe you didn't even know that you needed to make a decision for Christ. Well, God has brought you here for that very reason. And here's the advice. Remember Lot's wife. And then what are we supposed to do? Remember Lot's wife and then simply flee to Jesus Christ. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. When you look back at your life, what moments stand out to you? There are probably some pretty great ones, getting married, having kids, graduations, and celebrations. But I imagine there are also a few you'd rather not remember. The ones that come back to run through your head at night as you try to fall asleep. When we take a look at the stories of some of the Genesis characters, we see it all. 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. These people you meet made their fair share of mistakes, but that didn't disqualify them from being used by God. God built a nation from human beings who were far from perfect. And guess what? He wants to use you too. God has a plan for your life, and you can faithfully follow Him in the way He has made for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and start fresh, remembering the faithfulness of God since the beginning of time. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today in the Word with Pastor Mike Venizio and in my Father's house. This program is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. Check us out online at harvestnyc.org. There you'll find service times and our easy-to-find location. We have easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. If you aren't close enough to drop by, you can find links to our online streaming and more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thank you for joining us today. We're out of time for now, but come back and feast on the Word with us next time in My Father's House. Oh, my heart, not be troubled.